0: welcome to the traffic talk podcast anti-trafficking discussions for the modern abolitionist. i'm your host Vern from the justice ministry a blue water mission we've got a decade of experience fighting the injustice of human trafficking and have ministered to hundreds of victims by just using volunteers in our free time but we've had outstanding results we believe that there's a role for you in this fight too On this podcast, you will hear interviews, stories, and discussions from people on the ground doing the real work. So plug in and get ready to open your heart and mind. And now, the next episode of the Traffic Talk podcast. Episode 6 is here, another awesome interview in store for you guys today. You will be hearing from Chad, who is an anti-trafficking rock star. I met him years ago, early in our justice ministry at Blue Water. And me and him, we've reconnected over the past year, and I was blown away at all he's done and seen over the years. So today you will hear from Chad, the crazy dreams that woke him up and started it all for him. You'll hear what makes kids vulnerable to recruitment by traffickers, especially church kids. And this is from his firsthand experience. Um, Also how he has noticed when boys are vulnerable to trafficking, and he shares how he keeps going and has the energy to continue helping victims. I'll give you the heads up now. This episode runs a little bit longer, just by a few minutes, than our typical episodes, but it is well worth your time to listen. You will learn so much from this interview, and it will change the way you relate to your kids and to vulnerable young people. As you listen, I want you to think about where is your heart breaking over this issue? okay i'm so glad that you had time to join us today um it's really awesome to have you on this episode tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do
1: so i'm a husband i'm a dad i'm a godfather an uncle but i also build create skills building programs and i work with vulnerable youth mm. um, and i also do presentations concerning anti-trafficking I also do mentoring um, with youth or um, young people that have been rescued from trafficking so survivors mm-hmm. um, and just live in community create and build community and, and live with community um, people to just love one another do life with one another I um, mean create community for people that are coming out of vulnerable situations.
0: I love that. I mean, you are uh, saying a lot of those things with adjust in front of them as if this is the, you know, average little small thing that I'm doing here on the side. But every one of those um, sound totally huge. Um, tell us a little bit, like, how did you get involved in the trafficking work and anti-trafficking advocacy, mentoring, skills building, you know, like sh- share a little bit of the background of what you were doing and how it led you to trafficking work.
1: It was all kind of a process. So what was it my young 20s i had a dream that ruined my life forever Uh. um i won't go into the whole dream but it was a a trafficking dream and i was actually a woman being trafficked in the dream and i had a daughter that was being trafficked so i was raped in the dream and i watched my daughter who was trafficked um be raped in the dream and it completely destroyed me i was super mad at god like why would you ever do this to anybody yeah um but that didn't like lead to anything right away. There wasn't any like, oh I'm now like I know everything about trafficking. I'm in the streets and kicking down doors and stuff. Um, It just kind of set heavy in me for a long time. Um, And then I moved kind of across country um, for where I was. Uh, And just being out, um, hanging out, uh, started to get approached by women um, selling themselves. And just like to be approached by a woman and like her trying to sell herself so, like you would sell like a pair of shoes or mm. sell a jacket like it really really bothered me so i <clears throat> started spending time in prayer like i like like what do i do like this is not okay like i mm-hmm. just seeing that look of desperation in their eyes like i have to make this sell there's this really, like you know like you need to buy me right now cuz i got to make this sell like i got to get this commission um, it just really tore up my heart. And at the time, like, the only thing that the Lord really gave me is like, just tell them about my love. Tell them about what real love is. I was like, that's cool, but that's not enough. <laughs> like, that's not, like, that's not helping their situation. That's not, um, bringing them out. But that was all I had at the time. And so I've stuck, I kind of started to frequent those places. So like the train stops and the bus stations, the places that I was already trying to get picked up, just waiting to get picked up so I could share. Yeah. Like, like, like there's, there's a, there's a real love. Um, that's available to you. Um, and just trying to share hope. Hope has always been a really big thing for mm-hmm. me. I know what it is to be hopeless. And just the look in the eyes was really, really hopeless. Um, and then I moved again, even further away from home. And, um, I had another dream that I was wow. hanging out with some people, um, in the middle of the night, just doing some outreach stuff, just loving on people and like just a really non-threatening way. And again, nothing happened for months. Uh, but then I, um, that actually led to meeting you i was at a conference and mm-hmm. and and um you know you guys were giving your spiel and the dream came back and then the lord was like that's who you were with in the dream and so i was just able to hook up with what you guys were doing and, um, <clears throat> and so really it was just like just being open to the opportunities that mm-hmm. life brought um and then you know shortly after that got married and um suddenly my wife and i we uh, we were also working in drop-in centers, uh, after-school youth programs, and we noticed that a lot of the kids, uh, especially a lot of the young ladies, were being pimped out. Um, one of the ones that we were actually working at there was a really big, a really big bust because boys that were coming were recruiting and um, pimping girls out, and, then and
0: from your drop-in center, dro- from
1: this the youth center thing, from your high high school kids, um, and it ended up being this really big thing that the whole family mm-hmm. was involved in. Um, and so just seeing like, like this is everywhere, like we can choose to ignore it or we can just open our eyes and be. In, cause we're already involved with these kids yeah. they're at the schools that we're working at, they're at the centers that we're at, they're in our churches and all this stuff. And so either we're going to like blatantly ignore them or we're just, so it's kind of caused us to get even more involved And in, um, with the foster home that we're working at, you know, we had boys that were running a lot that were super vulnerable and, um, Some suspicion of being trafficked while Mm -hmm. um, while they were out on the run um, in exchange for drugs and you know safe housing, relatively safe housing, um, while they were away from us.
0: So I want to highlight a couple of things that you said there that I think may surprise other people. Was one middle school, junior high? Mm -hmm. You noticed that kids were being targeted out of there, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think a lot of people think, well, it happens to adults or it happens to older
1: teens. Yeah. Well, the, the kid, because of that conception or misconception, a lot of the kids are super vulnerable um, and we're not having those conversations with the kids and mm-hmm. the pimps, the predators know that the kids aren't have, that parents aren't having those conversations, that the schools aren't having those conversations. And so it's easy to draw them in mm-hmm. um, and, you know, in vulnerable populations, you know, where kids don't have, um, you know, the dad in the home or, you know, the parents are always working or the parents aren't really engaged in their life. You know they're looking for somebody to to latch on to and so Mm -hmm. it's really easy to draw them in and that's what we were seeing it was really easy easy to draw the kids in um and then they're they're trapped and then they're in a place where they don't feel like they can talk to anyone about what's going on
0: okay so one of the things that you said just kind of like casually as you were talking about things but you were saying like the kids are in the churches the Mm -hmm. kids were in your churches can you talk a little bit more about that because i think a lot of times people in church communities, faith communities, that kind of stuff can get a, maybe a false sense of security mm-hmm. that like, oh, they've got the good kids and it's not going to affect them.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> spoke to a pimp a few years ago. And one of the things that he said was that he actually targeted girls in youth groups um, because they keep secrets. If you get them to do something, like that's not, it's not a an open place to have those conversations so Mm. it's easy to get them to keep secrets and do things and then the guilt the guilt piece too Um, and we don't have those conversations in youth groups you know you don't Mm. yeah you don't hear a lot of youth pastors um, present anti-trafficking stuff and talk about the vulnerabilities of that like you don't have a lot of parents in the church talking to their kids about the vulnerabilities or having those conversations about what to do um, if a trafficker approaches you and they know this they know it's a a wide open pool of people that are vulnerable um and stigma, like we think our our kids because they go to the youth group that it's um that they're that they're automatically safe but those same youth group kids that they're going to schools and um you know they're hanging out at the malls and you know they're going to the movies and they're in these vulnerable places um but they don't have the tools um mm-hmm. to to not be vulnerable And so they they actually sought after Um, youth group kids, um, kids that are from affluent neighborhoods, um, kids that go to private schools. Like these are these are things that the predators are thinking through and that they're recognizing are not just vulnerable, but easy situations to get kids. So they're not just the poor kids.
0: that's amazing because it's like it they're recognizing not the vulnerability maybe of the other risk factors that that society tends to think about but they're recognizing like um there's a shame there's a guilt card that they can play on them and and maybe I mean I'm I'm just picking up from your story like there is a um a status that may make it easier to blackmail them with you know in that like I mean if they're threatening to, like oh i'm going to out you to the rest of the youth group or i'm going to out you to your parents or you know i'm just going to out you in public like i don't know it seems like that they can really exaggerate that but that's um crazy i think it's really important for parents and for listeners and you know whether they're volunteers or whether they're um you know involved with teaching at the churches or that kind of stuff to not think that there's a group of kids that aren't um at risk for being recruited and it sounds like like what really puts them most at risk is that they're naive. They're not being educated by the safe adults around them.
1: Mm. The the being naive um, and then also not being able to talk through their own vulnerabilities. Mm. Um, Being feeling like they're in a position where um, they can't share um, the the stuff that's going on. I've I've met a lot of girls even in the midst of working that were on their choirs, that were youth leaders, Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, I met one girl, she, with her church, would go out and pass out food to the homeless. And she's telling me this while she's working. Like, yeah. oh, man, my church and I, we used to make stuff and go out. And um, so she grew up in the church, in the environment, knew the word. These girls know the songs and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, no one's having those conversations. And they weren't in a place to say, hey, I'm hurting in this way. I'm weak in this way. I'm vulnerable in this way and having those conversations because the church is a place where you should get built up. yeah. And you should get solid in your identity. Um, but we have places where we're not really doing that and it's creating vulnerable children in our communities.
0: Mm, it's really important. I'm glad that you shared that. Um, cause I think it's something that, you know, we as a society, we want to stop and maybe rethink what we, um, helps people become strong or what makes them, vulnerable. And it sounds like there's a lot of conversation. There's a lot of re- relationship. That's really important, mm-hmm. um, to build up in order to really protect somebody. And, uh, I totally agree with that. And that's something that I've seen. So let me ask this. You've, you've been involved for a while. How long have you been in Involved. I mean, well, it sounds like you get your first stream when you were in your 20s. So how how would you consider like your length of work and working in this sort of like uh, high risk, high intensity kind of uh, working with survivors of trafficking and, and why do you stay involved in it?
1: I'd say I've kind of fumbled through it for maybe 12 years. i mm-hmm. um, just trying to figure it out. Um, the why is well one i'm not really like an outgoing person but so i think like sometimes people think like oh it's like the outgoing the extrovert. Mm-hmm. like i'm an extreme introvert and so like that doesn't really play a part into like having conversations and reaching out and working with the population um but i also i have goddaughters. Mm-hmm. um you know i have a mom i have a sister um and if any if any of them were in a situation um This is like, I would be working tirelessly to bring freedom. Um, I would want anyone where they were, if I couldn't find them, to be pouring love into hope into them. I'd want people to see them, um, and to have a word of encouragement, a word of life, um, something to keep them going through the day. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's what it is. Like, um, like these are somebody's daughters. This is somebody's mom. This is somebody's sister. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I've been through really hard stuff. I've been through times where I felt hopeless, where I felt alone. And so to, to turn my eye away from somebody that's in that situation, like I'm not there right now, or you're like, you're not my family member. Like somebody else has it. Somebody mm-hmm. else will come and do this. Um, I think shame on me. Like, I know I'm aware um, and, and I, I can't look away. I can't, I can't make the intentional decision. Like, okay, I've done enough. And so I'm going to look away now and put my, because they're still hurting. Mm-hmm. They can't look away they can't walk away from this situation. So like they don't have the luxury that I have to just be like, okay, I'm, I'm good now. And so since they don't have the luxury, I've removed that luxury from my life.
0: Mm, I like how you say that. I mean, um, to summarize it, 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 it's truly entering into empathy mm. with them and where they're at and how they're hurting. And then um, we've talked a lot about women and about girls on this podcast, but also earlier you said something that um, when you were working with Boys in like a foster care program or some sort of program, like you were noticing that um, they were high risk mm-hmm. and that some of them were likely to be victims also.
1: Yeah, so with <clears throat> with the trafficking work right now, it's primarily focused on young women, um, but our young men are just as vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So they're um, supplying demand. Whatever there's a demand for, there's somebody working to supply that demand. And so there's a huge demand for young boys. Um, the younger, the fresher, the better. Mm-hmm. And so our young boys are are. It's just a, a world um, of vulnerable, a vulnerability for our young boys, and so many of them are pulled into it, much um, uh, the drugs, the the not having positive um, father figures. Um, but they're not reporting mm-hmm. um, as much because. Um, Just being a young boy and these things have happened to you, a lot of them, they're never going to say anything. And we haven't created the spaces that are safe for them to talk about this yet. And we're not, you don't find what you're not looking for. Mm. And so I'm not looking for, we're not looking for these young boys. And so we're not going to find them until we're aware that they're out there and we intentionally start to look for them.
0: I like that quote right there like we don't find what we're not looking for or you don't find what you're not looking for like that's just that's just huge and we can really hear your heart in all of this and how much you care about the survivors and the vulnerable and every everything like that does it ever break your heart or seem too much to handle
1: honestly i live with a perpetual broken heart Mm. like my heart doesn't there's not a a moment or a space where my heart isn't broken
0: Um, how do you keep going with it's having the, that pain? It's the
1: broken heart that keeps me going. If mm-hmm. my heart if my heart stops breaking, then I don't have any motivation mm-hmm. to go. Um, my heart breaks for, for the kids that are out there right now. Like, right now as we're talking, as we're having this conversation, there's children that are being raped right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: right now as we're talking, there's somebody sitting outside of a school or a girl that's been talking to a guy online, and she's making plans with him to go away, and her life is never going to be the same. Um, right now somewhere there's somebody that's setting up a date for a kid to lose their virginity and they're, the they're going to get it at the highest bit. Like So that's happening right now. So if my heart isn't breaking for that right now, if somebody's heart isn't breaking, then they're alone mm-hmm. and there's no hope. Um, and so one of my desires is for other people's hearts to break without end, for other people to be tormented in their sleep, for mm-hmm. other people to when they're out with their kids, they're clinging to their kids, but they're thinking about the kids that, that are being clung to in a vile way and that mm. their hearts get so broken that they have to do something.
0: Mm. I like that because without the broken heart, yet yeah, what energy or, or, you know, like where are we working from I think in without, order to change it?
1: Without the broken heart, it becomes a hobby. Mm. Um, uh, being involved in this becomes a hobby. And it be, it's right now. It's right now. It's the cool thing to do. If you can say, "Oh, I do anti-trafficking work," um, but then when you get tired of your hobby, you go pick up a different hobby. But mm. if your heart is broken for it, it's not a hobby um, any longer. Like your life is invested in it, and you're not gonna put it down. It becomes mm. your life work.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this because a lot of people don't choose, well, I mean, it's popular because people are like, oh, let me do anti-trafficking work and um, awareness campaigns need to be done and fundraising needs to be done and that kind of stuff. But a lot of times that's like all that people get into. They're not really in this day to day of actually like living, working, being around um, the survivors and having their heart like connected to individuals, not just to the concept of it. So like, I think what's important is for people to understand, like, why is it worth it for people like us? Like, like what do, what to, what do we gain in a way? Because I feel like that we do gain some things, you know, like I, I would say, um, and, in a previous interview, somebody said like purpose, like, um, it really identifies and meets something inside of them. But for you, like, Why is it worth it? Like, what have, what have you gained? Do you get, do you get joy? Do you get fulfillment? That kind of stuff.
1: Looking into a a kid's eyes that was suicidal because of the stuff that happened to them and seeing them smile and hearing them dream Mm. is a huge treasure to me. Or knowing like this person's life was headed in this direction and there was no hope for anything different. And now they're talking about going to school or how they want to be a good parent Um, or even getting the messages from kids that are still struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, But they've experienced something because they've encountered, you know, my wife and I or somebody that we worked with and they know that they're loved. Um, Like that's huge for me. And then also, like you mentioned, the sense of purpose Um, because I could fill my time doing all the things that I love and being an introvert, I could, give me a a room and some books and I'm, I'm, I'm good for, for months. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but at the end of that, like, what do I have? Mm -hmm. Um, at the end of my days when I look back, I'm like, Oh yeah, I read some cool books and I went on some fun walks and had some fun at the beach or took some awesome trips. Um, none of that's going to mean as much Um, being able to look back and think about the people whose lives I impacted, um, the children that have been rescued. Um, the, another huge vulnerability are, are the elderly. Um, and that's mm-hmm. something that we're not really talking about in trafficking are mm-hmm. the elderly that are being trafficked. Mm-hmm. Um, but the elderly that we've been able to give identity and purpose and honor to in their mm-hmm. last days and um, being able to. I always think like on my, when I'm on my deathbed, like what's going to be valuable to me? Mm. And these things are going to be of value to me. Yeah, I enjoy the fun stuff, um, but I'm not going to look back like, oh, man, I remember that one movie I seen. Oh, that was like the best movie <laughs> in all my life. I'm ending on a, on a great note because I seen that one movie that one day 30 (laughs) years ago. Um, But I'm going to think about those kids. I'm going to think about those conversations and those trips that we had and the, the, the moments where they broke open and they'd be started to dream or started to hope or started to love themselves. And it's like there's no self-love. There's no dreaming, no hope. And so Mm -hmm. those moments um, are, are more valuable than the paychecks that I get or the trips that I get or Mm -hmm. any of that stuff.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I want to leave this world knowing that I changed this world for the better. And like that purpose is just huge. So this has been awesome talking to you. I love how you shared your heart with everybody. It's great for people to also hear like, this isn't just a a woman's issue. Like this is a man's issue. Like there's vulnerability, like there's room for all of us to be involved in doing advocacy work. And there's also just being aware that all of us uh, all of our children, all of our vulnerable populations, yeah. you know, male, female, um, anybody are, um, are vulnerable to this. So I just thank you for bringing like so much awareness to us and sharing your heart and sharing your experiences. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm sure your heart is just broken open and your mind blown over some of the things that you heard in Chad's interview. I want to encourage you to take some time today and over the next few days to pay attention what is rising up inside of you. Get a journal, write down the ideas, the questions or the visions that are coming up for you. We'd, of course, love to hear from you. What are your big takeaways from this episode? Write back, leave us a comment on whatever app you found us on and you're listening to our podcast. If you realize that you haven't had the conversation with the kids and the vulnerable people in your family, in your community, or in your faith community, then grab our Protecting the Vulnerable It's a free resource, a mini course with videos and worksheets. You will have the opportunity to get our conversation guide also, and that'll help you get started and give you a template for questions to ask and connect. So I want to thank you guys again for listening. Don't forget to give us a review. And if you're finding value in this podcast, don't keep it a secret. Tell your friends, your loved ones, your community. Let's raise the awareness of safe adults and protect our youth.